Well, hey, good morning. Grab your Bibles. Find Proverbs chapter 10 with me this morning. Proverbs chapter 10. Get there in God's Word. If you need a copy of God's Word, you'll find under your seat a hard, black-covered Bible. Grab that. Turn to the book of Proverbs and uh, get there with me this morning uh, in God's Word. Proverbs chapter 10. While you find Proverbs, let me, uh, let me, let me ask you a question here. Uh, when's the last time you walked away from a conversation saying, why did I say that? Been there? Been there all too often. I, I remember the, the first time, I'm sure it was before this, but this is the one that comes to mind. The first time I learned the lesson of um, um, just a foolish spoken word. I was, I think, about seven years old. I, my cousin had just had a birthday party, and my uncle was bringing all the guys who had been at this birthday party home, and um, uh, you're going to think less of me after this story, okay? But um, we were driving home, and in my seven-year-old wisdom, uh, there was this uh, little plot of land on the side of the road, and sitting on this plot of ground was um, an, an RV, a very beat-up, run-down RV that clearly had a family living in it. And so my seven-year-old mouth goes, oh my goodness, everyone, look at that. Who would live in that dump? To which the entire car grew very, very quiet. My uncle hit the turn signal pulled into the driveway, and a very red-faced and embarrassed eight-year-old got out of the vehicle and walked into that dump. More than I care to admit, my words have gotten me into trouble. I wish I could say I learned the lesson at seven, uh, but there I was in high school on third base, two outs in the inning, a teammate of mine lifts a fly ball to the outfield. I take off on contact. I cross home plate. I turn around to watch the ball be caught by the opposing team. Inning over, we're still losing. And there, right there by the backstop, I uttered what I thought was under my breath, a four-letter word. A four-letter word, not real pleasing to Jesus with any of those letters. And the moment I said it, who just happened to be in the backstop right behind me? My dad. <laughs> Talking to another man from church. And just a very loving, yet very firm rebuke right there at the backstop. More than I care to admit, my words have gotten me into trouble. And I wish I could say I'd learned the lesson in high school, but as I go on and on and look at different situations, different scenarios, uh, have said things not pleasing to the Lord, have, have said things about other people that I just, the moment they come out of my mouth, I'm like, what in the world am I saying? Far too often, way more than I care to admit, my words have gotten me into trouble. Can anyone in the house relate to me today? Yeah. Because there's something about the power of our words that we say it and the moment they leave our mouth, we're like, no, come back. And as, I've been, as I was preparing for this uh, summer series through in the book of uh, Proverbs, and as we just talk about wisdom for different areas of our life, I had always known that Proverbs says some things about um, that the wise person, the righteous person, uh, you can tell by what comes out of their mouth, and you can tell by what doesn't come out of their mouth. 
And yet when I was preparing for this series, I was just struck over and over again. I would encourage you, because today's not going to be an exhaustive look at everything Proverbs says about our speech, but, but it, do a study on your own. Just start in the beginning of Proverbs and look how often it talks about the speech, the words of the wise man, and the speech, the words of the foolish man. And over and over again, we are told that what comes out of our mouth is a great uh, revealer of the godly wisdom or lack thereof that's evident in our life. But then the more I thought about it, the more I realized this is way more than just a Proverbs concept. Uh, Think about some of the things we find in the New Testament. Jesus tells us that our words will reveal our heart. Our words will be a mirror to our heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. In the book of James, James says that this tiny little thing called a tongue has the power to set ablaze a verbal forest fire. Jesus said that y'all ready to be terrified? You ready to be a little scared? Jesus said, we will stand before the Lord and give an account for every careless. We're going to give an account for every careless word we spoke. Oh God, be gracious to us. Amen. Amen. That so often in my life, I've been so tempted to just be like, oh, they're just, they're just words. And yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but they're just words. What's the big deal? God seems to be saying in his wisdom literature in this, in this book and all throughout it, yeah, they're just words. And they're massively important to me. And so because of that, and because maybe like me, you have found yourself getting tangled in your words far too often than you care to admit, we need God's wisdom to help us understand how as his followers, he wants us to use these powerful little things called words. And so I'm excited today as we camp out in Proverbs chapter 10, because what we're going to see is kind of three wisdom guiding directions to help guide the words that we use as followers of the Lord. And I need it. And I know some of us in here probably do too. So let me pray and let's jump in. Father, we come right now and we just confess to you, um, Lord, that our words often reveal our heart. And Lord, um, far too often in my life, I've had to go, where did that come from? Why did I say that? And yet, Lord, I know all that is doing is it's giving me a mirror into my heart. And Lord, um, we are here because we don't want to be the foolish people that Proverbs talks about. We want to be bastions of godly wisdom. We We want our words to reflect those of the righteous. We want your spirit to so um, be filling us that what proceeds from our mouth is honoring to your ears and honoring in your sight. And so God, would you come now and guide us? Um, These three things we're going to talk about today, Lord, they're so counterintuitive. Our flesh rages against these principles. And so Lord, without your spirit helping us live these out, um, we got nothing. 
And so, Lord, would you come now and would you speak to us through your words? Would you drive it into our heart? And would we leave here today with a better understanding of how you've called us to speak as followers of you? And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Get to Proverbs 10, uh, verse 19 with me. And let's look at kind of this first principle here that verse 19 bubbles to the surface for us. But it says this, When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever, what's the word? But whoever what? But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Now think about the principle that this proverb raises. And I just kind of want to give us our first point. We're going to build a prayer for our life today. But the first thing I want us to write down is this. Lord, make my words few in number. Lord, make me talk less. And I'm telling you, I'm telling Erica this week because I'm preparing for this message. I don't think I'll ever preach a, me- preach a message where there's a wider gap in my life between the application of it and what I'm preaching with my mouth. I'm bad at this. Most preachers are. We just fill the empty air with all of our words and blah, da, 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 da. And look at what it says here. When words are many, as my words increase, the opportunity I'm giving myself to sin increases right along with it. And then it says, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. This principle through the book of Proverbs is massive. Over and over and over and over and over again, it'll talk about the wise person guarding their mouth, the wise person being slow to speak, the wise person restraining their words, thinking through it, then talking. But if, but if the English standard version of this verse isn't clear enough, look at how the New Living Translation writes this. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible. And keep your mouth shut. It's just the word, okay? Don't get mad at me. It's just the word. I love that. Be sensible. Keep your mouth shut. That you and I both know when we've gotten ourselves into trouble with the things that we've said, it's just because we've piled words upon words upon words upon words. And all of a sudden, we've dug ourselves a hole with what we've said. And now we're trying to dig ourselves out by what we're saying. And everyone around us is like, just stop talking. This picture, whoever restrains his lips is prudent. This kind of brings a picture to mind for us. Um, Sometimes you'll walk around the neighborhood and um, you'll see a dog with a muzzle on it. The owner's trying to train it maybe not to bark, but you'll see this dog with a muzzle. And I see those sometimes, I'm just like, I need that. I need a muzzle. I need, like, God, I need you to build in my heart this internal muzzle that just stops me from saying things that shouldn't be said. That stops me from piling words upon words upon words upon words. And now here's the deal. We all know this. This is something that's really easy to like study and talk about as we sit at church on Sunday. This is something that is really, really hard to do. Especially maybe when like the emotion of the moment has really kicked in. Anger's building, frustration's building, and someone has just lobbed a verbal grenade towards us. And in our flesh, all we want to do is pull the pin and retaliate with some verbal grenades of our own. 
And yet, let me just kind of give us four reminders, four reminders this morning to restrain our words. Four reminders under this point right here to just help us restrain our words. All of these, um, I'm going to play the role of Captain Obvious here for these four. All of these very obvious things. Number one is this, think, then talk. Earth shattering, right? Think, then talk. Not talk, then think. Been there? Not, not even maybe think while talking. You know, you start running down the direction of a sentence and you're like, where in the world am I going with this and how do I get out of this and I'm about to say something that I shouldn't. And think, stop, pause, pray, write it down if you need to, formulate it in your mind, then talk. Uh, second, uh, don't interrupt. Four reminders to restrain our words. Don't interrupt. Don't interject. How many of you in the room, be honest now, how many of you are, are sentence finishers for other people? Any, how many of you live with one of these people, right? A sentence finisher, I'm, I'm terrible at this. Erica will start running down the path of a sentence. I will finish her sentence for her with the question I think she's going to ask, and then I'll answer the question that I think she was asking. <laughs> and she's like, how are we here? This isn't at all where I was going. Like, just don't interrupt. Like, sometimes we feel like we have something so important to say, and we're going to cut right in the middle of someone else's, like, we're going to do the sentence cut off right in the middle of their sentence, and, and, and then we're going to get out all these important things that we think they need to hear. Instead, would we say, no, what they have to say is much more important than what I have to say. And I'm going to work really, really hard right now on just listening to them, and just don't interrupt. Third is this, uh, wait until you have all the info. Have you ever started speaking into something because you thought you had all the facts? Only to find out, wow, this is a way different picture than I had painted in my head. Proverbs 18.13 tells us this, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. To speak into something before I know all the information that I can about it, it's to my folly and shame. Just wait. Wait until you have all the info information. Ask questions. Gather it. Then speak into it. And then last one is this. More questions, fewer statements. More questions, fewer statements. When we're in communication, when we're trying to help someone solve something, when we're giving advice, questions draw out the heart. Questions help us gather information. Questions help us be slow to speak. Just ask more questions than, as opposed to making more statements. Draw the heart out in the process. But look at what Proverbs 10, 19, 12 tells us very simply. When words are many, sin, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent, is acting wisely. And so um, kind of just a question to summarize this verse here. What if most of the time the wisest thing we can say is nothing at all? Parents of teenagers, sometimes you find yourself like getting sucked into like the verbal barrage of the back and forth and the back and forth. What if sometimes like just the wisest thing we can say is just nothing at all? Hug them. Hey, I love you. This conversation's done. 
Uh, what if most of the time the wisest thing we can say is nothing at all when we go to work this week? And there's the antagonist in the meeting room who's always bringing up something and just everything they say just is like a magnet that wants you pull, to pull you in to defend yourself. Like what if just sometimes the wisest thing we can do is just keep our mouths shut and just say nothing at all. Lord, make my words few in number. But then look at our second point here. Lord, make my words few in number. But then Lord, make my words great in value. Make my words great in value. What, what does that mean? Where do we get that? Look at what verse 20 says. The tongue of the righteous is what? What's it tell us the tongue of the righteous is? Lift your voice. What's it say? It's choice silver. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. And so now we're told that, that the wise person, the, the, the prudent person restrains, they guard, they limit their words. And yet the wise, the prudent, the righteous person, then when they do talk, their words bring this value of godly wisdom. Their words are like choice silver. Now think of some of your wisdom givers in your life who like when you meet with them for counsel, for advice, they can just stop. I mean, they might listen for an hour before they speak one full sentence. They're listening. They're drawing your heart out. They're trying to get all the information. They're trying to understand. The whole time they're praying, they're going, Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, help me to know what to say here. Lord, help me to know, know, know not what not to say here. And then when they do speak, they package all of this in one saturated sentence full of godly wisdom, full of great value. And this is why some of the wisest people we know, maybe in our family, maybe in our workplaces, most of the time they sit in the room, they're really not saying anything at all. And maybe even by the end, you kind of have to look in their direction and say, hey, what are you thinking? And because they've been listening prayerfully and carefully and they've been gathering all this information and they, they, they serve up this beautiful piece of godly wisdom that when they speak, when they speak, you're like, everyone be quiet. When that per I know that person doesn't say much, but when they open their mouth, like everyone quiet because what they're going to say is something very, very wisdom directive from the Lord. But now I want us to think about the relationship between verses 19 and 20. When words are many, transgression is, transgression is not lacking. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Limit the words. But then, as you limit the words, here's what happens. When words are more rare out of our mouth, it drives the value up. Isn't this how, thing, isn't this how value works in life? Isn't this how things become more valuable? The more rare something is, the higher the value of it. Uh, think about these valuable pieces from history. Um, most expensive piece of sports memorabilia ever sold. A Babe Ruth jersey. Heard of that guy? Uh, any, any guesses on how much this Babe Ruth jersey sold for? Just any guesses? What? Three million? Any other guesses? Say? 16 million. Babe Ruth jersey. Someone, 
someone put down a cool $4.4 million for that jersey right there. Uh, think about this, most expensive car ever sold at auction. A 1962 Ferrari 250 GTO Berlinetta. Not a car guy, I have no idea what I even just said right there. <laughs> Guesses? Guesses? How, how much did that bad boy sell for at auction? What? 24 million? 75 million? That guy right there is going to run you $38.1 million. Now, if you think that's a lot, this is an 1892 painting by the title of Oh, When Will You Marry? Painted by a guy whose name I cannot pronounce. What do you think this thing sold for? You ready for this? Just shy of $300 million. Like, I don't even know where you display a painting that's worth $300 million. As rare as the rarity, the more rare something is, the higher the value that it has. And this is the connection now between verses 19 and 20. Jesus followers, limit your words. Don't just fill empty air with them over and over and over again. But instead, when you do speak, make what you say full of godly wisdom. Make it bring value to people. Make it bring value to situations. And now, but what does this look like practically? Like, how do we, how do we kind of make the rubber hit the road here with this principle here? Think about it like this. Um, when people come to us for advice... Listen. Like, how many of you can relate to me that as you're listening to people often, you're really not listening because you're formulating what you're going to say back to them as soon as they're done talking? Yes? Just listen. And then once you've listened, listen. And then when you've listened twice, listen again. And pray. The whole time, you're just going, Lord, help I got no wisdom in myself right now to give them any advice on this. Lord, help. And then listen. And then pray. Lord, help. Oh, please, Lord, do whatever I say, do not let it be based on my own wisdom in this. And then listen and then pray. And then when we finally felt like the Lord has given us clarity on this thing, then speak one direct clear to the point. No, as I listen to you on this, here, here's what I think needs to happen. I think about how this principle here affects the way that we interact in the workplace. Instead of worrying about how do I impress my boss here? How can I impress my coworkers here? How can I make sure that they know everything I know about what's being discussed? What if we just kind of sat back? Lord, Lord help me. Lord, you've called me to this company. You've called me to this team. I want to I contribute something that's of value. But Lord, I don't want this to be based on what I think about this. Help me. And the whole meeting, maybe all you're doing is listening and writing things down and listening and writing things down until God gives us something to say. How do we make sure that what we bring, what we speak, the words we use has, has value, has godly value? Um, the last point I want to make on this is we don't. We can't say anything that has the value of the wisdom of God. 
the Spirit of God has to put on our mind and in our heart what he wants spoken in certain situations. That in every area of our life, God wants us living so dependently on his spirit to lead and guide us. And because I can become so nonchalant in the the words that I throw out, instead of just going, Lord, I desperately need your spirit to direct what you want spoken in this situation. And the Spirit of God will place on our minds and in our hearts the very things that he once said in specific instances. And he is the one who allows us to be an instrument in the Redeemer's hands to speak into some things. Have you ever had this? Where someone has come to you and in the beginning of the conversation, you're like, I got nothing for him. I don't know how to help at all. But by the end, like, the Lord has just taken over to the point where like you almost can't even believe what you just said to them because the Spirit of God has so placed those things in your mind and in your heart to be spoken to them in that situation. That's what we're asking for. Lord, do not let me just fill the air with all these words. Instead, when I do finally open my mouth to speak into things, Lord, would it be saturated with the wisdom that's given by your Spirit? I don't want to mess this thing up by me just filling the air with words. And so, Lord, make my words, make them few in number, Lord. But Lord, make them great in value, saturated in godly wisdom, like, the, like choice silver. And now look at verse 21 here. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous What do the lips of the righteous do? They feed many. But fools die for lack of sense. The lips of the righteous feed many. Uh, Picture with me kind of a table, a meal. Um, Some of your, come on, some of your favorite foods. What's on that table for you? What? Anything, Anything? good. (laughs) Spoken like a college-age guy, right? (laughs) Food. That's all I need. What, what, what else? Huh? Filet mignon. So Friday night, went to St. Elmo for the first time. That's a pretty good steak. It's a pretty good filet. Who else? What's on that table for you? Where are my ice cream folks? Favorite ice creams? Cookies and cream. Like, just picture a table just full of all of the best food, Uh, satisfying to the taste, filling to the stomach, refreshing to you. The Lord's point to us here is that our, our words, our words are to be nourishment, are to be satisfying, are to be filling, are to be refreshing to those that we're speaking to. Lord, make my words few in number. Lord, make my words great in value. And then, Lord, Lord, make my words refreshing to the soul. That when people interact with me, when people interact with us, they walk away with their soul so nourished, so filled, so satisfied. You know these people, right? 
It's like every time I interact with them, I walk away so encouraged by our interaction right there. What is it about these people? This is what I've been trying to wrestle with. What is it about these folks that when I walk away, I am so refreshed, so satisfied, so filled? And as I was wrestling with that this week, and I just was bringing to mind some of the most encouraging people that I interact with on a regular basis throughout my life, you want to know what I found to be the common denominator of these people, they're always talking about Jesus. Like in my interactions with them, they're always using their words to remind me of my Lord. They're always using their words to steer my heart back to this awesome thing called grace. They're always using their words to speak truth right from the word of God into my heart. And I just like, as I was thinking through this this week, just kind of a convicting question came up for my own life. Do I use my words to put the spotlight, to point people's eyes vertically to Jesus? Is my conversation full of Jesus-pointing words, of Jesus-pointing talk, of, of helping someone who might be so discouraged by something going on in their life to get their eyes up to look upon their Savior who is more powerful than this situation that has just intersected their life. But are we using our words to point the spotlight back on our Lord Jesus Christ? Or are we using our words to just talk about the latest drama going on at home, going on at the workplace? And are we using our words to just complain and complain and complain? Or are we using our words to just talk about ourselves ad nauseum? Because our words, the, lip, the lips of the righteous, they feed, they nourish, they refresh, they satisfy. And so th this is a prayer for us today. Lord, make my words few in number. What if all we need to remember from that is the statement, what if most of the time the best thing I can say is nothing at all? Lord, make my words few in number. Lord, make my words great in value. Lord, would I not speak into this person's life? Would I not speak into this situation until your spirit has guided me with this exact thing that you want spoken into this? And Lord, would you make my words refreshing to the soul? Would I use these powerful little things that you've given me that roll off my tongue to get people's eyes vertical on the Lord? But here's, here's the convicting thing. Uh, if I took an audit, if I took an audit of everything I say in a day and everything I say in a week, like how much of that would I see of like with using my words to point people's focus on Jesus? Because the heart of the matter is that today can't be about us going, okay, like today's message was on my speech, and so I, I, gotta, I gotta go and I gotta work harder at making sure I'm being nice with like my words. That the fact of the matter is Jesus was spot on, right? He's pretty good at being spot on, isn't he? 
But what proceeds from our mouth is just what's in our heart. And like the greatest danger, I think, especially like in our culture, in this part of our country and kind of our, our cultural Christianity is that like we hear a message like today and we go home and we, our takeaway is like, I need to talk better. I need to be nicer. I need to stop saying those things. And that is all true. We, we do need that application. But the bigger application is this. Lord, you have to have my heart. Because I can put the muzzle on and I can put the guardrails on my lips, but that'll only last for a certain time. And then that guardrail will fall to pieces and I'll rip the muzzle off. Lord, you have to have my heart. And once you have my heart, you'll have my words. But until you have my heart, I will continue to just fly off the handle and lose it with my words. Until you have my heart, I will continue to spread gossip with my mouth. Until you have my heart, I'll just continue to abuse people with my words. But once the Lord has our heart, he has our mouth in the process. And so even in a moment, I'm just going to pray and the worship team's going to come and we're going to sing. But the whole prayer of this song is, Lord, I give you my heart. The point of today isn't this, Lord, I give you my mouth. The point of today is this, I give you my heart. And Lord, when you have my heart, I know you'll have my mouth in the process. But would we leave here today as people who understand that the words that we speak are really, really important to God. The way that we say things is a big deal to him. How we encourage, how we refresh, how we bring value of godly wisdom into things is something that he deeply wants for our life. And we need his help big time to direct our mouths from the inside of our heart out. Would you just stand with me? I just want to pray for us and get our hearts ready to sing this. But Father, um, we all in here have just, we've spoken some things that uh, we wish we could take back. Uh, Lord, we've spread gossip that we wish we wouldn't have. We've shared things in confidence when someone asked us not to say anything. Lord, we have let unwholesome talk come out of our mouth. And Lord, as we walk back out this week, we're going to be tempted to do that all over again. Um, Lord, today's message cannot be a, applied in us trying to work harder to talk better. Uh, today's message has to be about you absolutely saturating our heart in such a way that when someone lobs the verbal grenade our way, what is retaliated with are words that would be spoken by you, our Savior. Lord, when someone attacks that we do not attack in return, when someone shares with something with us in confidence, Lord, it's kept right there. Lord, when our ears hear this piece of gossip that, that, that they love to devour, that our mouth is guarded from spreading that on, and Lord, that only happens when you have all of our heart. Lord, I'm so rebuked by this study this week. 
Lord, I see the massive gap in my own life. So Lord, as we sing this, would this be our prayer? Because Lord, I just fear for far too long, we've just, oh, they're just words, what's the big deal? And Lord, your scripture from cover to cover says they're words and they're a very big deal. Make us the wise, righteous, God-honoring person you want us to be with what proceeds from our mouth. And that comes, Lord, when you have consumed our heart. God, I pray these things in Jesus' name.